Michael Vaughn and one and all to the Literary Baptists. Uh, I'm Lee, as always, and I am joined by Nick and Zach has returned. He's gone there and back again, and we're so glad to have him. It's good to be back. (laughs) I made so many excuses for you while you were gone. (laughs) I heard them all. They were all are we gonna are we gonna make accurate. an excuse for Maddie now? We should make an excuse for Maddie. She's um, excuse for Maddie. She's doing things. <laughs> she's helping Eowyn uh make better stew. That's what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> she is stuff. no man. <laughs> True. <laughs> So we're uh, we're we're doing a, another another bit of miscellany tonight. Uh, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna turn it over to Nick here because he has a uh, a proposal to make and, and for us to mull over tonight. And if it passes muster here, uh, then it will be enacted. Okay. Yes, enacted <laughs> for everyone. This for applies everyone. to yes. everyone throughout the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. One of the things I've been thinking of is the literary canon, the works that we consider to be great, the works that we talk about, the works that are talked about in schools, that are taught in schools, uh, in colleges. And I think that the literary canon for the West needs to be reevaluated, particularly in the period since 1850. A lot of people are saying the exact same thing I am right now, and they're saying it for a different reason. And that'll be my first point, is that they're wrong. <laughs> it does need to be reevaluated, but not for the reasons they think. So I have I have eight points. A few of them are just some genres and things that I think are underrepresented. A few of them are points that I think should apply to everything in the, in the canon. Um, but we can just kind of talk through them one by one. And I will start with the one that I just kind of referenced, but um, I think that a work gains its status through merit, not through the characteristics of the author. Uh, so we don't need to artificially prop up and put in, oh, we need to have more women authors. Oh, we need to have more authors of color. That's probably the proper way to say it, I think. We don't uh, need for now to. until it changes, but I know I'm sorry to everyone living in 2040 that listens to this. I, I <laughs> I'm shamed for that language. Um, Do but, the work. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, except I'm not really. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think it's important that they, the works that we talk about putting into the canon i think it's important that they earn that based on the merit of the work itself not based on the characteristics of the author uh especially the artificial characteristics of the author like race or um stuff like that race is probably the big one um so you know uh gender identity or (laughs) other new inventive categories to subdivide ourselves into right and once again for all the people listening in 2040 i'm sorry (laughs) sounds like you're just trying to erase individuality (laughs) Uh, why don't you want me to exist (laughs) yeah Yeah, why are you against their existence (laughs) i'm sorry 
Uh, but I think that that's really important. And that is the way that a lot of people who are saying like, oh, we need to reevaluate the canon. We need to add, you know, make sure that it's, and like, basically there are a lot of people who are, they probably don't use the word quotas, but they basically want to quote a system within the, uh, within the canon. So they want us to read more books that are by authors who fit those artificial characteristics, or I mean, like women is a real characteristic that has meaning um but it doesn't really necessarily need to be propped well, up an, as, an author is an author whether it's a yeah. man or a woman or what yeah. color that person's skin is it an, yeah. an author should just be an author at the end of the day yeah, yeah. um i think that women aren't real though merit. they're like That's right. yeah That's yeah right. i i mean it's kind of hard drones. to define <clears throat> Um, start a new conspiracy theory <laughs> women are government drones you heard it here first the the real it's war true. on women is actually the war on the government right. is there one so else? we all agree with this one <laughs> yeah we're good yeah, yeah we agree with this one yeah okay uh so we agree that that women drone created by the government <laughs> should be allowed to yeah <laughs> to create no, literary it, works but that's what chat gpt is right yeah <laughs> why are we discriminating against robots <laughs> now one thing is is in this and i i actually think the other your, others of your points flesh this out but um i could see people coming at this one and saying uh well who defines what merit is mm-hmm. you know um, yeah but I, I think the rest of your points actually do a good job showing what what, what merits inclusion yes to some extent i it, one of the things with assessing an aesthetic or something with aesthetic value like a work of literature is that it is it's not like you can create a checklist if you Mm -hmm. create a checklist you can create some work that fits all of the checklist and Mm -hmm. it might not be great you know it ceases to be good art yeah it it doesn't it's you can't do it based on checklist it has to be century music yeah a tonal yeah. music or something mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> philip glass is really mad at you right now i don't care <laughs> cope and seed <laughs> yeah that's right you heard it here first cope and seethe philip cope glass <laughs> or um what's the what's that work of of music that's just silence for like five minutes or something i don't know oh, like, like yeah. john cage or something i don't i forget how long it is just, <laughs> it's just silence like yeah. the, the musicians are supposed to be up on stage and just do nothing at, for how sitting long at attention ready to strike uh, but they don't for like five yeah. to ten minutes yeah it's that's you know it may uh it may fit some people's definition but that to me is outside um anyway uh trying to decide my second of these is that true creativity is not the haphazard abandonment of established norms but working well within them and i think that john cage thing is a good example of that like instead of just talking music or we're talking literature just talking out all the norms all of everything that we've established up to this point <clears throat> and and doing something completely creative it's silence it's nothing 
that's not really creativity. Creativity is doing something great within the norms that have already been built and structured. Uh, so I think that's one of them. So, yeah, so even a sitcom, a little bit. even a sitcom that's a show about nothing can still be something. Okay. I, I want to hear your pushback other than the Seinfeld one. <laughs> we'll get, we'll uh, get just, to humor. Just creativity. Um, obviously, in a, in a really, really broad framework, everything already exists, right? Nothing new under the sun, that, that kind of a thing. Um, so we're not, we're not coming up with brand new things really ever. So within that framework, we're always, I would agree with you within like, again, because I know music going back to music, if we didn't have, if we just stayed within the norms, there would be so many kinds of music that you don't have. Yeah. I and and that's why I said haphazard abandonment. I think I think you can suspend it at least partially. Like, um, you know, you can you can have a mystery novel that ends with, you know, the the author or not the author, but the the um like the protagonist, not the protagonist. What's the word I'm looking for here? Yeah, like the the, the speaker, the you know, the yeah. first person the is narrator. the killer. The narrator, that's the word I'm looking for. The narrator is the killer. You can have that. Yeah. And I can think of an example of that. And that that goes outside of the norms. Mm -hmm. But that, it's it's just one thing. It's no ending. It's like, okay, why would somebody want that? Like, you, you have to have some of the things. You can abandon artistically you can abandon like one or two and still work within the foundational thing and see if it works but if mm -hmm. you just abandon everything i feel like it it becomes something new and it almost never works sometimes it does sometimes it can but i think at this point we're past that you need well, to I, would, I mean i would think that something like that that just abandons all structure and everything that helps you create you nobody would want to read it anyway yeah well um, i mean that john uh, cage thing is considered great um and that uh, is you know that's stupid or, or there's an example uh so you know i still occasionally read poetry magazine and i'll never forget a couple years ago there was um a well-known poet uh submitted uh four poems and I'm like, okay, all right. So I turned to them, um, and they were, they were collages, they were images. Uh, there weren't even any words. It was just images. And I'm like, this isn't a poem. You know, you could you could say that about other poems actually made out of words in in poetry magazine that aren't poems. But but that especially, that's visual art. That is not like categorically that is not poetry. Yeah. Um, that's it like saying visual silence art. is sound. It's a visual art That's that dumb. is yeah. that is inspired by poetry. Yeah, but I just right. looked it up. It's four minutes and thirty three seconds. Um, it's called four thirty three, and it's just silence. That's and that's not that is that's not, not a musical music. composition. Yeah. Silence is not. And that's music. and I think that that is what I'm 
kind of trying to address is in <clears throat> modernism there's this idea that oh we should just kind of trash things and do whatever we want uh and i trash like the conventions and i think there's this idea like that greatness comes from usurping the inventions and breaking mm -hmm. free from these artificial restrictions but i think the greatest things come from working within them in a great way um and instead the the real rebels go out there and they make uh like those youtube playlists that say uh um, a playlist that makes you feel like an 18th century villain, <laughs> you know, and it's full of just like the most like pump you up classical music you can find. Uh, <laughs> it's real. I listen. I actually listen to it relatively often. It's do so you, good. Do you feel like a villain every day? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. I've got a third. I've got a third thing. <laughs> we okay. should celebrate sin. <laughs> now hold on you, you've gone too far <laughs> that could not have come at a better time i know i went out of order but i had to uh, um so yeah. that is that is actually my third one is is the celebration of sin is not it's not great i don't mm, know why we consider great. it to be great and even like books that there's a book that i read Madame Bovary by Gustave Flaubert. It's terrible. It's stupid. And it's basically just this woman who's like selfish and she's uh she's upset with her marriage and her life in a small town. And so she just she turns to sinful things. She turns to there's nothing worse than really in that novel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yes, she is very empowered. Uh there's nothing to celebrate in that in that work I, I don't know why it's considered one of the greatest novels ever uh it doesn't deserve that place because it's just a celebration of sin and i think that since Same 1850 with too yeah I, I don't i haven't read it but i, I it's gross. guess that that's the yeah. case <laughs> uh it's gross so i i i think that despite you know the world probably saying ah who cares about sin or whatever but i think we we should stand and just say no that if it's a celebration of sin doesn't need to be in the canon does yeah. it deserve its place yeah um well even if you didn't call it sin you there's there are standards of morality yeah yeah even in secular society i and they want know, standard you know they know they know that what this person is doing in this book it's is immoral so it's that's yeah. the, it's the same point like immorality should not be celebrated either like that's yeah, yeah we we but, need to have heroes in stories again it seems like every every hero is an anti-hero anymore um yeah. the 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 explosion of grim dark fantasy really has um has made that a a big selling point to the culture um yeah. you know part of the reason people loved game of thrones so much as a show is that there are no good guys in it or, or the one good guy died in the first season uh dies within the first novel and, and everybody else yeah. is just trash um yeah that is not that's not something to be celebrated it's not great art um and it, it doesn't even really represent reality either yeah yeah well, now can you imagine if it did oh my gosh yeah good gravy <laughs> yeah. one clarification i want to make on this one is that just because <clears throat> 
I don't think that we should avoid things that portray sin, right? Just celebrate them, yeah, right. And uh, without think... sin, it's hard to have a plot to a novel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, everything was great, something's got to go wrong, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, everything was great but, and it just got better. That but portrayal of sin is okay, but when it's celebrated, that's when we have to be like, mm, this isn't great, uh, so. That's my no, third. I, one. I agree. I agree. Um, we ready for my fourth one? Let's do it. Born let's get, let's get into some controversy. You want to get into controversy? No, I'm just kidding. You can say say them in whatever order you want. I'm just um, kidding. I'm just being silly. All right, this one I'm gonna have to grab a book, but I'll go ahead and start it, and you guys can talk for a second while I try to find the passage that I need to justify this <laughs> plot is more important than character. <laughs> talk about it. I I agree. Just, just talk. Talk about <laughs> it. It's important. Just go ahead. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Um Yeah, I agree. The, what do you think, Zach? You you mean the plot is more important than the uh, What do you mean by character? Like are you talking about Okay, so one of the things is that what you mean, like building, developing character? What do you? (laughs) Yes, yeah. Think about it. Like, have you ever watched those movies where there's no plot? It's just a character who just happens to be like, ah, it's him going to the store. It's him sitting in a waiting room doing something, and there's some music behind it and everything. Trying to go get some soup, and the guy won't sell him soup. And it's like, oh, what a great like character sketch. It's, It's like. Waiting That's for Godot. Story. Yeah, it's it's just nothing. I am not alone in thinking that plot is more important than character. But let's read from Aristotle, who oh, says oh, the oh. same thing. Breaking out the big boys. Uh-oh. Breaking out the big boy. The most important of the six, and these are the things within drama that are important. There's spectacle, character, fable. Um. The most important of the six is the combination of the incidents of the story. The story is most important. Um, And it says, this is, I'm skipping a little bit around, but it says character gives us qualities, but it is in our actions, what we do, that we are happy or the reverse. In a play accordingly, they do not act in order to portray the characters. They include the characters for the sake of the action. Um. And then it also says, besides this, uh, a tragedy is impossible without action, but there may be one without character. I'm not mm. really sure how that happens, but um, I, I, I think I think a lot today people tend to focus on, oh, you know, I really like this character, this character. Um, and I, I think that that's valuable, you know, talking about the characters and what happens to them and how they do things. But I think that there's like this psychologiz psychologization yeah that, sure did i say it listen let's, let's do new uh, words <laughs> <laughs> i can make up words it's fine uh but it's it's here. more about psychology and things like that than it is about the story the plot mm. and i i don't think that that is the right way to look at things and so i'm going to mention here a book that it did have a plot i guess i read a, 
book, the portrait of the a portrait of the artist is a young man by James Joyce. And I still don't remember what the plot was. There was really not much to it. It was one of the worst books I've ever read. It was awful. I don't so understand. It wasn't a how... good portrait then. It was not. No. <laughs> but it, the whole point was supposed to be portraying character. But there was. I don't. I don't still understand. Don't what happened. It was poorly written. I don't understand the appeal of James Joyce. And I'm going to go out and stay, say that I have no desire to read Ulysses, and I probably never will. And it seems stupid. So you're not going to celebrate Bloomsday then? Take that, James Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> Called out. <laughs> I hope he sees this. I hope so, it? too. Yeah, Whatever. I hope so, too. Tell uh, him to see the cope as well. <laughs> now, are you going to read Portrait of the Artist as a Young Dog by Dylan Thomas? Uh, dogs are great. <laughs> That one can have plot. It could. <laughs> you know, going around sniffing dogs things. Have, yeah. <laughs> dogs have lots of motivation. Yeah. Um no, I yeah, I, I agree. I, I've read I've read enough contemporary short stories in which nothing actually happens and the people don't actually change. Um like um so there's I, I no get character really... development and no plot. Yeah. So <laughs> like um one of them was Excellent. Raymond Carver what we talk about when we talk about love and like if you wanted to write an essay about love just write an essay because like it was just constant ping-ponging back and forth uh between like four different characters um and it was just you know that that conversation barely would have been compelling to have had it in person it's infinitely less compelling to then read it on paper <laughs> <laughs> what a review yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> wow. When you're talking about this, I'm thinking of like TV shows, right? How there are different storylines going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when they switch viewpoints, you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't really care about this mm -hmm. storyline. I want to go back to that other one that's really doing something, you know. That, uh, that was me with Rings of Power, kinda... except every, every storyline stunk. <laughs> Okay. Except yeah. for Elrond and, and Durin. That was good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you wanted it to stay there, right? I did. You didn't you didn't want it to because the other watched, things you're like if the whole yeah, show was him and Durin boring. hanging out, I I would have watched that. Ha more I mean, did watch it as it is. <laughs> yeah. I did watch it as it is. I do that in books too though. Like it's it changes to this character's point of view, and I'm just like, Okay, I gotta read through this to get to the next fun thing that i want to read like this is just boring i don't like this character story but i guess I, I don't know if that really is relevant but now you know how i feel we know how you feel now <laughs> yeah <laughs> some characters are irrelevant okay they suck you know while we're on this one someone who did prioritize plot over character is J.R.R. Tolkien. I don't know the that professor like, himself. There's definitely there, you know, there's definitely like character development and things like that. And and you know, the characters have things to them, but to some extent, the characters matter a lot less than the plot. Mm -hmm. Like the the plot, like if you were to describe 
Lord of the Rings to someone, you would describe the plot. There are mm-hmm. other books that you would describe the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like a portrait of the artist is young man. Yeah. Uh, or or even Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Which actually is a good book. Um, and there's definitely, I mean, there's there's a, a plot there. But really the main story is like, when the heck are they going to get together? And that's not yeah. really a plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jane Austen probably does character better than anyone else that I've read, but she doesn't, she doesn't ignore plot. Like there is, yeah. Yeah. and there, there are usually like some side stories that are like, mm-hmm. you know, the sister yeah. that's running off with a soldier or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's usually something that yeah. that's adding a little bit more to the story as well. Um, all right, my next one. Uh, seriousness is not a virtue. Humor can and should be considered among the greatest literature. We we see it with Aristophanes, with Jonathan Swift, um, but humor is never really given as much love in the modern literary canon. Um, I Maddie mentioned P.G. Wodehouse as mm-hmm. someone who deserves that spot. I want to add Evelyn Waugh, uh, early Evelyn Waugh. The late one's not really funny, but yeah, early Evelyn Waugh is, is not known is for hilarious. being funny. Yeah, he's his first few not like Black Mischief and Scoop and uh, Handful of Dust. Some of those early ones, those are hilarious and deserve to be included among this um one of the things like when i was in high school we tended to read like serious novels all the time Mm -hmm. and i had one teacher who made us read kurt vonnegut and we enjoyed it it was funny (laughs) and we talked about things i i don't agree with kurt vonnegut on anything i think he's a little bit crass sometimes Mm -hmm. but he is funny and um, and so I appreciate the I appreciate literature uh, with humor. I think it's important. That's that's something how we learn too. I think today one of the ways we learn and we can convince people of different positions is not through like debates and uh, long treatises. It's like memes. Mm-hmm. That's how people are convinced of <laughs> different positions. I know mm-hmm. that it's you know it's not the best thing in the world that you know, that our attention span is so short that an image and like constant barrage of images that push one position is what convinces people of something, but it does. And I think humor is a good way to show the weaknesses in certain like views, philosophical mm-hmm. views. Um, and I think, yeah, it, we've but lost satire we can, altogether. Yeah. And we can enjoy it. It's, it's enjoyable too. Like it, yeah. it pokes fun. You can attack really well with it, but it's fun. We all love it. That's what I was going to ask. Basically, what Lisa do? Do you think that there's just there's just a lack of satire? Is that because I mean, humor is out there. Usually, it's there's some witty characters in the books you like, or something like that. It's not focused on humor as much. It's it's focused on something else. But there will be funny moments or you know, little things here and there, but do you think it's more like we need more satire 
yeah, books. I, I would say that. And I think the Evelyn Waugh or even the, the Wodehouse, I think that those are good examples. Like they may not be straight up satires um, in the sense that they're not like a modest proposal, um, yeah. but they they just kind of satirize a certain type of person or a certain uh thought or a certain um like a, a certain philosophy like they'll they'll push things in a different way uh yeah. and you can see the foolishness in a character something like mm -hmm. that I, I i don't necessarily mean i'd like oh you need to just be laughing out loud although with both of those examples i do kind of laugh a little bit out loud yeah they're both hilarious it shouldn't uh, take it out of the running if it makes you laugh out loud no it shouldn't yeah and i think it's an important way to uh to attack the things that that are hard to discuss seriously mm -hmm. so this back back when borat the movie borat came out <laughs> Uh, I remember a review I read of Borat, the movie, and I remember it saying something about how the movie was so like it brought racism. I mean, the point of Borat is like against xenophobia and racism. It brought yeah. it into the light. It brought that whole thing into the light so that we could just laugh at it. Whereas most people are afraid to talk about racism. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. they're afraid of saying something wrong and then, oh, you know, oh, you can't say that. Got like, me. But Borat, the character, said things that, like, everything he said is cancelable. Like that, mm -hmm. But that's the point, is that yeah. it's a satire on that thing. Um, and it was funny. You know, so, and I think, I think that's something funny. that, that movies and TV have actually done better than literature in the past what 50 mm -hmm. 60 years um is is humor and satire and, and, and cartoons too yeah. you know you can't talk about that without talking about south park which mm -hmm. which has biting social commentary mm -hmm. in every episode uh, alongside poop jokes yeah yeah or king of the hill is another one i mean oh yeah king of the hill i too. lived in texas for two years and a lot of that's true it's a true story. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. All right. Are we ready to move on? Yep. I'm with you on it. Okay. Um, my next few have to do with, um, with some genres that are underappreciated. So the first, the next one, the first of these set is realism is not a virtue fantasy and science fiction have been and are immensely powerful tools in examining the big questions of the west particularly technology which is a huge deal right now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yep I, not all fantasy and science fiction is great but i do think that they deserve their place among the canon and sometimes people tend to not want to include them because oh it's like it's like young adult literature. It's like for teenage boys. And I, I, I think. <laughs> Tell that to Stanislaw's limb. <laughs> someone who says that clearly has never read science fiction. Because, Absolutely. Right? 
it deals with the actual questions of things that we are actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this the AI revolution that's just mm-hmm. like happened in the past like what two months? It yep. feels like. Yep. Uh it's been coming for a long time. It's been coming for a long time, but it's you know, I mean, we basically have had it happen overnight. Yeah. Um and you can that, tell nobody's read Asimov. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and these these questions have been dealt with in in science fiction. We can see like the negative effects and mm-hmm. understand those things a little bit better if we have mm-hmm. read science fiction, if we have experienced that, if that's been part of our imagination. Yeah. Where, you know, there are, you, you see these people who are just like super optimist uh about technology. And to go against what you just said, Lee, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think about Asimov's Foundation series. That's like the most hopeful thing. Mm -hmm. Like everything is beautiful and wonderful with technology. They've, you know, learned the future and... uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I read it differently than it was intended. Well, it's really more about his like rules of robotics and like yeah the rules that you should place on an AI in order to make sure it doesn't destroy humanity. Um, Yes, and and those are things that nobody's considered with any of the AI stuff that's happening right now. And there, yeah, I disagree with Asimov as as far as like the basis of the Foundation series, but um, yeah. But those I'm rules. A, I'm are... a non-hopeful technology. <laughs> a pessimist, techno pessimist. Is that a that's new a word new that term. I made up? That's a that's a cousin to a luddite. <laughs> well, I'm not like I'm not avoiding it. I, I I'll use. No, that's the why tools. I said cousin. Yeah, it's a cousin. I just L- I the luddite them, is I'll your just weirder complain. cousin. Yeah, yeah. Or your creepy, uh, maybe creepy uncle. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So I think, and and all of us enjoy fantasy and science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's, and obviously, you know, we've talked about Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis. They've used used those um, to to discuss and explore some of the great questions of the West. Um, but but I they've mean, been I, placed in a in their own literary ghetto of genre fiction, yeah. and I don't think mm-hmm. that's fair. No, it's not. There are some people that have kind of transcended a little bit, like Ray Bradbury and um, Neil Gaiman, like George Orwell. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of convince or nineteen eighty four was science fiction until uh, technology surpassed what he described. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so you can include some of those things, and and like there are elements, but. Um, but for the most part, I think that they need to just they have they need to have more respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't enjoy reading. I've read three Philip K. Dick novels. He's not a very good writer, <laughs> but his ideas, <laughs> what he deals with are great. Um, and so I think maybe he doesn't necessarily deserve a place in there, but he's a good example of someone who's dealing with big questions and dealing with them in a creative way, just maybe not a good writer. <laughs> yeah. So Frank Herbert should be in there. Stanislav yeah. Lem should be in there. Um, the guy who did Solaris, which became that horrible, horrible movie. Um, <laughs> uh, those are all guys that are really, you know, philosophically interesting 
and are tackling big questions uh, within their various you know universes that they made. Yeah. And mm-hmm. some of those some of those things, some of those big themes, you do have to kind of separate it from our not only our times, but perhaps even our planet to get mm-hmm. a good look at it. Yeah. Look at Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, just <clears throat> talk about I mean groundbreaking and what it which I like to call space covers, communism. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Basically. You know, there are um there science fiction has also tackled that issue of transhumanism, which you know is is mm-hmm. getting more and more and more of a hot topic. Um altered carbon by is that Richard Richard K. Morgan, I think his name is. Um that book is phenomenal. Speaker for the Dead by Orson Scott Card also talks about uh, people that are – and actually in both cases, uh, the Roman Catholics um, forbid uh, their members to uh, upload their consciousness to the cloud so it can be re-downloaded into a new body later. Hmm. That's actually a common theme between both of those books. Interesting. If I had the option, I wouldn't do that either. But I'm not a Roman Catholic either. Yeah, I'm I'm out. Yeah. One <laughs> just one and done. <laughs> yeah, just let me die. I'm good. That's I don't be- need a computer version of me later. I mean, that's because you guys understand the significance of the passage of time. Oh. So. That's so true. Gosh, yeah. You really cut to the you really cut to the core of this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You 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 know the the plot of Altered Carbon. Don't don't watch it on Netflix, but um, <clears throat> so there's this guy who um, he gets brought back. Uh, his his consciousness was uploaded into the cloud, and they re-download him into a new body. Um, and he's brought back specifically to investigate um the murder of a man. So the guy who was murdered hired him to come solve his murder. But but that guy, um, you know, his consciousness was also uploaded to the cloud. And so he he was downloaded into a new body. Uh, but he's like, I gotta figure out who killed my last body. <laughs> and and the guy, so the guy is in That's this weird. brand new body dealing with like the effects of like um different trauma effects on that body as well as his own mind now reconnecting with this different body he wasn't born into, trying to solve the murder of a guy who actually is still living <laughs> and never saw who killed him. Uh, it, it's a it's a fascinating book, and it it definitely explores that that transhumanism theme um, in a pretty powerful way. Interesting. That's interesting. Altered carbon. Um, if. Like, do they just have an infinite number of bodies, or are they just like killing people so that the people can have their bodies? Well, there, there is that are part not, of the question. There are not infinite bodies, but there are, there are, um, some some institutions have bodies on standby. But what's oh, okay. against the law is to clone your own body, leave it like frozen, and download your consciousness into the same cloned body again. Which is what this guy who got murdered did. He had clones upon clones in storage. Um, so he was going to live forever in the same body. Um, and they call them meths, short for Methuselahs. I'll choose a different body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take the new one. 
Yeah. Guy yeah. must have been really happy with his own body. Definitely. He, he yeah, the guy was a He's... that character was a real narcissist. <laughs> he doesn't have like the body dysmorphia or anything like that. Definitely not. He had his body yeah. all worked out. I'd be an interesting way in which to deal with the whole trans thing. Yeah. Uh, yes, it would. Can I you can actually change your own body? Yeah. Can I promote a series? Sure. No. <laughs> it's a. It's like a. I guess it's science fiction. It's kind of futuristic, post-apocalyptic kind of a thing. You know, uh, the Silo series. Have you oh, heard of that? Hugh Howie. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's, it's really good. You should yeah, check it out. Nick. It's really good. Really, it's been a long time since I've read it, but that was <clears throat> that was really good, and it deals with a lot of big themes. I would say, like, yeah, they live in a silo but underground, and there's all these layers to it. It's kind of like, um, uh, what was the one, um, the show, the movie that was about a train, and there were like all the different levels of society were in the train. Um, was that Snowpiercer or something? Snowpiercer, that's it. Yeah, it's okay. like Snowpiercer, but instead of a train, it's a silo underground instead okay. of above ground. Interesting. It's fat. It, it is. It's it really good. Really good. I think the <laughs> first the first one's called Dust. Is that right? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Wow! If you told me that there's a series called Silo and the first one's called Dust, to be like, wow, is this just a story about like farmers or something? Is these <laughs> some like Amish romances or something? Yes, that's what it is. Uh, I'm in. Ezekiel and Dorcas, when are they going to get together? <laughs> when are they not? Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh-oh. <laughs> Only uh, after they're married. Yeah. All right. I'm ready. Are you guys ready for the next one? Oh, I'm so ready. Okay. The next one, this is this one I have not uh, talked about too much, it is that the mystery genre, like whodunits and stuff, which is one of the things that's on our reading on challenge. The reading list. They need more respect. Uh, yes. And my friend, who's dead. And he's my friend, despite being a papist. <laughs> G.K. Chesterton. Uh, I'll say it. I don't care. Um, <laughs> he said this. Uh, there is, there is, however, another good work that is done by detective stories. While it is the constant tendency, tendency of old Adam to rebel against so universal and automatic a thing as civilization to preach departure and rebellion. The romance of police activity keeps in some sense before the mind, the fact that civilization itself is the most sensational of departures and the most romantic of rebellions. Uh, and so wow. <laughs> this is in a, a thing called a defense of detective stories. And <laughs> That's the point awesome. of it is detective stories show how things really should be in a way. I mean, yes, they show sin and they show mm -hmm. the effects, but they show a way in which humans actually can deal with things and they have an ending and they have mm -hmm. the good guys winning. Uh, yeah. I actually recommend that whole essay. Uh, it's wow. it's worth reading a defensive detective stories. Uh so um, and he and he would know as a practitioner of detective yeah, he, fiction he wrote the father brown stories um 
which are great on both page and screen. I better on the them. page though, but as um, but I mean, I, I Dorothy Sayers, um, Agatha Christie. I've said it before, but I think women write the best detective mm-hmm. fiction. Mm-hmm. I don't know how or why, if there's any good reason why, but it just happens that way. They come um, up with all the best scenarios of what could have happened. Yeah. It's because uh, they're the government and they know all the secrets. That's right. <laughs> ah, yes. That makes drones. sense, actually. Yeah, the yeah. drones. Yeah. Um, but uh I, I think I think they deserve more credit. Uh they they deal with crime, they deal with sin, they deal with civilization. Uh and if you disagree with me, read Chesterton and you can argue with him. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they're all they're focused on figuring things out instead of, you know, letting letting things sit and just, mm-hmm. you know, talking about them or whatever or therapying your way through it. Like, no, they, they actually get things done. Yeah. Yeah. Clues, things like that. Yeah. Um, evidence. Evidence. Oh, I love evidence. My <laughs> last thing. <laughs> okay my favorite thing man (laughs) some some flipping evidence nothing Uh, gets you quite like evidence does i mean i do i do like it when you know when you feel like okay this is this is correct um i love that moment in in a whodunit when like when like the final turn is happening and you know in the mind of the detective they've got it all figured out and you've kind of got it figured out, but you might not have it all figured out. Yes. And then you you get the infant, the little speech there at the end, you know, where they where they lay it out and like, oh, so good. Like you just feel that like tide turn. It's yes. so satisfying. Yeah. Like Poirot's gathering everybody into a room. You're like, yep. oh, something's oh, going down. It is. He doesn't do this for no reason. <laughs> People don't all assemble into one yep. room for no reason. That's yep. something's happening. Yeah. Uh we're going to listen to the man with the mustaches. <laughs> he does always say mustaches. He does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the last on my list, which makes eight, um, eight items, is the retrieval of the Northern European. So this kind of fits outside of my 1850 on thing. And this is more about medieval. Um but I think Tolkien and to a lesser extent, you know, like C.S. Lewis have shown us that the Northern European, British, German, Scandinavian, uh, medieval poetry and, and all of that. I think that that deserves to have a higher place than it does. I think Beowulf should stand with um the wasteland dante or something <laughs> yeah well yeah um <laughs> with modern stuff yes I, I think that's fine uh but even with the things that we consider like oh yeah that's great and the, the southern european or the you know the french stuff i think yeah. i think the northern europeans have earned their place mm-hmm. uh at that and i want to clarify that when we talk about the western canon it it really is just europe and america um and and to some extent australia and new zealand and you know like canada but 
Ugh. it is kind of it's a ah. it, it's not a worldwide thing like mm-hmm. none of us read much chinese literature mm-hmm. none of us read much um african the, literature the, the chinese are are elbowing into the uh the sci-fi world though yeah i, I i'm the three body problem to have you kind have of you merging of that, the canons hmm. three body problem yeah it's a well actually it's a series but the first book <clears throat> is called the three body problem and it, it's actually a pretty celebrated series um uh, I, i'm gonna but, butcher the pronunciation uh Shishin Lu, I think, C I X I N L I U. So that was that was originally published in China, was translated, and then has been spread across the West. So I, I, I had it, to but... look this up before I said something, but one of the main um, <laughs> Wikipedia, who I'm representing on my shirt right now, even though I kind of don't care for Wikipedia as much now, <laughs> sponsored um, by Wikipedia. You're a walking contradiction. There's a, there's a, the official government supervisory organ for Protestantism in the People's Republic of China is called the Three Self Patriotic Movement. Is that related? The Three Self and the uh, Three Three Body? I don't, I don't think so. It? Okay. Yeah, um, I don't think it's three related. Self in reference to the Trinity. It has to be. I hope not. I don't know. Is it? That's a weird way. It of has it. to be. Um, now the three, no, it's self-governance, self-support and self-propagation. Oh, um, so it's self-governance. It like that when missionaries start in a new place, the, the local people govern it, the local people support it, support it. And they are the ones who are doing the missionary work. Yeah. Um, you don't allow foreigners to help. Um, <laughs> not great. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I think to some extent it's good, but just kind of seems like a way for the Chinese government to control everything, <laughs> doesn't it? Though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. That's what. Mao would be proud. Yeah. Um. So, uh. But what? my point on this one was that I, I, I'm open to the world coming into the Western canon and kind of merging them. But I don't think it it has happened yet. We don't tend to read um, those books. They don't tend to influence us in mm-hmm. any kind of way like the works of Shakespeare do. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to combining the canons and learning from them. It's just I don't think that that's happened. You basically have to be like a, a medieval scholar to read stuff like the Kalevala um and and stuff like that pretty much it's just a matter of translation once once things get translated and you know you get notes that's what makes it easy and accessible to people i I think for ancient histories i love the landmark ancient histories robert strassler is the editor of this series and i have almost all of them i love them so much they're full of maps and they provide the context so that you can understand Thucydides or Herodotus or Xenophon, you can understand them in a way that if you were just reading it, you might not get it, especially since there's so many cities involved and places. When you see them on a map, you're like, oh, that's kind of far away or, oh, that's, you know, basically a suburb. 
And I think that that helps a ton. So uh, I, I think we need that in Northern European, but I do think that it is influencing our culture more and more, the Northern European, via mm-hmm. Tolkien and through some other means. Um, a lot of our culture is very connected to Scandinavian culture at this point. Um, they are, they've become basically English speaking countries and mm-hmm. um they, they'd probably be like oh no we still speak swedish and it's like yeah i know but y'all know english too <laughs> uh, uh and and, and I, I think we need to include some of that into what we deal with because we're dealing with those people uh mm-hmm. you know you think about like i know that this is kind of a dumb example but minecraft it's a swedish game and that's like the biggest game of the past 20 years, probably. Yep. Yep. Um, we have actors and actresses that are from Sweden and, and Denmark and stuff, and they're mm-hmm. big names. One of my favorite bands is is uh, Norwegian. Yeah. Kings oh, of Convenience. Metal? <laughs> no, I wish. No, it's uh, they're like a two-man folk band. Oh, well, sure. And they, But uh, they sing and- in English. Oh, so, surprise. Th- there you go. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. Kings of convenience. They're coming um, to Chicago in the fall, and I kind of want to go. They never come to the U.S. Well, are you, you're going to go to Chicago, though? Yeah, that's the only downside. <laughs> <laughs> More like kings of inconvenience. Yeah, sounds inconvenient. Uh, well, I, I, I think we need to include them more. That is eight items. What what do you think? One one thing on that. So I don't know. Yeah. We've we've talked about it a little bit, but um, you know, there, it seems like people who want to argue for going deeper into, especially like Scandinavian literature and stuff like that, they always get accused of being a racist. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that, but you know, I, how would you how would you counter that that argument if somebody were to to bring it to you? I mean, to some extent, it is kind of true. Uh, there is, there are a lot of connections between the, not, not on my end. Sorry, I should clarify. Not on my end. Um, but it is true that a lot of people who, who do want to bring in Scandinavian and Northern European stuff, like people who are interested in like Scandinavian paganism, like Viking pagan Mm -hmm. stuff, like that's got a huge connection to white supremacy and that kind of stuff. So actual white to some extent like the kkk and stuff yeah like real stuff not what just real race yeah ibram x kendi decides to call <laughs> white supremacists this week um but uh but i do think that it, it it has influences on our culture and it has importance for our culture outside of that but mm-hmm. i do think that that it does need to have a um it can't just be that we need to have the issue we need to be able to deal with racism and things like that and i think actually american literature would be a good antidote for that Mm -hmm. uh but i think Mm -hmm. there are certain things that the northern european provides um courage and, and certain virtues and provides some context around um our past i mean most people are still uh you you know american culture comes from the english 
which mm-hmm. is kind of a merger of um well like germanic it's yeah. different germanic and norman influ- which is kind of Ugh. germanic as well <laughs> it's Ugh, like norman viking french uh <laughs> back when they were cool and did things <laughs> yeah so i i think um I think it's important, but yes, I, I I think that that's a valid concern and one that can just be remedied by reading more stuff. <laughs> yeah. So don't just read Northern European, but add it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, you know, hidden <clears throat> hidden in the subtext of that is, you know, we're not we're not about censoring books. And the way that you you learn and you know how to argue against things that are wrong is you read. Sometimes you have to read the people you disagree with in order to understand how how you disagree and how you would voice your disagreement with their point of view, worldview, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You should just read more. Yeah, just read more. And also, racism is not a uniquely European institution. If no, it's really not, an institution. Not in any way. A trait institution. I guess. Yeah. It's uh, just a, it's just an institution that was perfected there. <laughs> it just it had more power at one point it had a but lot of power but it's still it it is almost universal um i think the nation that did the most to get rid of it is the one in which i am present right now mm-hmm. the united states mm-hmm. um is the one that that first like pushed against it the most i know that kind of seems um it just went through uh, the uh, the abolition went through legally earlier in the UK is all, but yeah, still but the, I think uh, when you deal with those things, then you can deal with them in a stronger way than other places do, and you have it in your in your backyard. Like mm-hmm. it's hard, it's Swedish, hard to ignore. Swedish a people when... have only had to deal with racism more recently because mm-hmm. it was just Swedish people. Like, yeah. oh yeah, the Danes. It's like, well, they're not that yeah. different from you. Sorry, again. <laughs> I know I'm offending every Swedish person, but um But we but we don't come from a nation state. So so it, it's yeah. a it's a very different thing for us because we've been a melting pot since we began. Yeah. Yeah. And and but we've had to deal with it. We've actually had to do the work. <laughs> as a nation oh i love it when it when a joke comes Uh, back around but we have and so in some some ways like it is even though it's somewhat prominent in the united states it's because there's actual opportunity um whereas some places may not have that much opportunity for it Mm -hmm. um you know, if you're in a if you're in a city that is ninety nine point five percent Japanese, you could be the most racist person, and it would never show, never surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a racist in America, it it'll surface. Yeah. I think. I don't know where you would live if it doesn't, uh, but it it would. Um, we have the Probably opportunity in your backyard. For... <laughs> so. Yeah. But it's bad. We all agree it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they someone's around. They make they make fun of Koreans and and, well, and and legitimately hate the Japanese after World War II. So, um, 
but 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 th- that's a hotbed of racism too and there's not even that many that many other races to uh, i mean the uyghurs are a great example of of just how deep uh and and uh abiding the uh the hatred um there really is yeah. and that one's kind of got a religious element to it as mm-hmm. well um so because they're all, all yeah a lot of them are muslims um, yeah but they and then but the, they will call them like half breeds because they're not they are not han chinese so they are um dogs so i only had eight things and eight's not a really good number i need i need two more at least you need one less i need a, i need a good off. number no i'm not going to do that it's perfect you take one away i need i need 10 i need two more okay I need two more items on my list or maybe four more items and we can have 12, but you know, eight's, eight's a weird number. Nine's a weird number. 11's a weird number. I need 10 or 12. So give me two or three, two or four. I mean, more things to add to my list. Um, Brandon Sanderson should have his own category. (laughs) Brandon Sanderson is not getting one. Uh, come on we need we need to see the cannon spread around you (laughs) that would be amazing come on cannon (laughs) spread yes i still don't understand what those things were uh they're like fairies okay well i would want to have something specifically poetry related in there maybe one or two things um, because I think the canon, um, when we think of the Western canon, I think most of us are, are thinking about like the great novels um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe, you know, like, you know, the Divine Comedy or something. But um, poetry has been huge for um, and big in Western culture uh, from the beginning. Um, some of the earliest uh, well, you know, Beowulf, great example. <clears throat> One of the old, oldest extant uh, literary manuscripts that's ever been found. And what is it? It's a it's an epic poem. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot has been done to damage poetry, uh, especially in the in the 20th century. Um, and, and some of it's kind of piggybacking a bit off of uh, your point about uh, completely abandoning forms. Um, but I think I, I would like to see um more emphasis in and welcome place in the canon for good poetry too um if people will write it um because there i mean there wasn't that much um at least at least people that are that are being more creative with with the language you know i'm 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 not so dogmatic about things like end rhyme you know or or things like that uh, or even following like having to follow uh, a received um form you know like if it's not a sonnet it's nothing you know or or terza rima or whatever but um something that that has the hallmarks of poetry as it has been you know rhythm and or rhyme you know uh, the the best of anglo-saxon poetry was never intended to rhyme but those lines gallop um in in a way that prose doesn't you know it's a it's part of the art what are some of the characteristics of poetry in, say, the 20th century, of, of good poetry? 
great poetry mm-hmm. in the 20th century. Um, part of it, um, there, <clears throat> there are good poets who have, um, in their poetry captured something of, of the time. So part of it, um, <clears throat> I think of, um, Auden's poem, the shield of Achilles, which is kind of a cheat because it's, it's very formal verse. Um, and it's based on a classical concept, but in that poem, have you, have either of you ever read it? Mm-hmm. It's so, it's no. so affecting. It's really good. Um, so, you know, so it takes the, the myth of, of, the shield that Achilles takes into battle, which we know he dies. Um, and so it's his mom, it's Achilles' mom going to the the armorer's shop and watching them make this ornately decorated shield. And it's all visions of the horrors of 20th century war or 20th century society um, eventually affected by by the war. It's really, really good. Like, you know, talking about bombed out landscapes and um, gang violence and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, so part of the beauty of that poem is the fact that he so well captures um, <clears throat> the dark side of his times um, while doing it not only within a received form, but even using the, the you know, the, the, those Greek concepts uh, that we see in so much poetry. Um one of the things uh, we we spoke about this not too long ago um about 21st century is that uh, of the 21st century west is that there isn't really a combined culture mm-hmm. uh there isn't you know we don't all experience the same things we don't all run in the same circles there's not even a regional culture. There might mm-hmm. be, there are tons of little subsets, um, little platoons that are just spread out everywhere into. Across I mean, the internet, like, across the world. The three of us are talking from different States, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't, um, there's not just this unique, like culture of the time. Not everybody's watching the same movies. I mean, the closest thing would would have been like Endgame, you know. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of anything else that's like basically everybody saw that movie. But that you could definitely talk to a huge number of people who didn't see that and had mm-hmm. no idea what you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I wonder what that's going to do for the future because I don't think that you can do the same thing that you can for 20th century as much for 21st century. Mm-hmm. There are a few things like COVID it probably is yeah. a big one um, that we all experienced and we all went through that. Um, and, and it was pretty similar experience, even if we had different views of it, mm-hmm. but like the left and right in America have different news cycle, you know, like mm-hmm. the, it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. You, you go on, cnn or not the b and they're completely yeah. different things that they're talking about yeah. uh and uh i mean even you know i i keep up with church news mm-hmm. to some extent you know like evangelical but there's completely different stuff within catholicism 
we don't have like a combined culture in any mm-hmm. any kind of meaningful yeah. way anymore uh so i wonder what what does what do you guys think that well it, it's all for yeah it's all slipped into the tyranny of the self so um yeah. if you look at the most most um well the most popular poetry today um is stuff like rupee car and those like instagram poets which basically like they write a a, a six word sentence cut it into two lines and you know it and it doesn't resemble it doesn't even resemble good prose let alone poetry um but because it's all about the feels or um you know the emotionalism or you know hyper interiority interiority um that that is what passes for um poetic uh, effect it reminds me of um there's there's a a building not too far from me uh it's it's actually in in rogers arkansas and it has a big just a huge mural on the side of a building and this is what it actually says okay it says we hold out our hearts for a new tomorrow may the stupid fires of hate be healed by the cool water of kindness <laughs> i mean you stupid can, fires you could you know you can agree even with the sentiment uh to some extent that's just a laughable expression <laughs> well written like i, I was hoping and maybe it hate. is maybe it was written by uh you know a high school or something won a contest but uh every time i drive by that i laugh a little bit because it's uh, th- this this it's is juvenile. worthy of a mural <laughs> yeah it's juvenile um so i, I that actually kind of brings me to another thing and uh another question this is this is a question i don't think i i probably wouldn't answer yes to this question but i want to see what <laughs> you guys think should what we consider to be art or literature should it be expanded to include some of the things that we see and experience and influence culture such as memes or like tiktok videos things like that like should those be included not necessarily in a canon but should they be considered as a new genre that could constitute part of a future canon Um, yeah like like a canon of popular art or something like that yeah i mean i totally yeah you say yes i totally think i totally think so for the sake of history for sure yeah i I would say that i've elevated memes to an art form so you really have (laughs) you're one of of the best zatch you're one of the best you really are uh, <laughs> I'm so thankful. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> That's uh, great. No, but, but I, I, you see some videos and you're like, wow, they really went, they mm-hmm. really went to a lot of effort in this. And it's like, you know, 10 seconds or something, but they're mm-hmm. really impressive editing and production skills like on display. Yeah. So. I would say yes, in a very limited way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think someday there to... should be museums that show vines uh, on, on like a kiosk <laughs> in the middle of a hallway or something. Well, you know, there's a 
there's like a, a TV channel or something that shows fail videos, nothing but fails. Like, and it's all like you can watch it. It's all all <laughs> That's the time. Awesome. So there already is that sort of, you know. We need a museum of internet video. Has Vine, has YouTube, has as MySpace. <laughs> MySpace, yeah. yes. I don't, did MySpace even have video at all? Eventually, yeah. Okay. But it def- uh, well, it was it was it was killer for audio. So it's sort of like the the move from radio to 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 uh, movies. Yeah, you wanted to be on mute if you were snooping on some people's MySpace yeah. because yes, music would everything just play. Had, yeah, it would, <laughs> and every page had music. Yeah, no, it, that's <laughs> like, that is so key to like internet culture history. Yeah, the movement is. from just audio to video, and people, the kids today be like. MySpace? What's that? Who's Tom? <laughs> yeah. You go to some somebody's thing and it's like some Jack Johnson song would start playing. It's like, what is going on here? Yep. I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> you don't want to so, listen to banana pancakes on, on repeat. <laughs> he's great, man. Come on. He's got the I chose him here. because he's so specific to that time. <laughs> he really <laughs> is. He really is. Um so so th- those, that's my list. Better Together was his best album. All of his, I, I like one of his songs, and it is any of them because they all sound the exact same. <laughs> uh, you're so wrong. It, that man's whole discography is the exact same song. I, he might have just had albums that are just one song on repeat because they all sound exactly the same. Oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. Man, that's rough. <laughs> uh, well, uh, those are my ideas. I don't think that you guys have really given me two good ones. So maybe we'll cut out <laughs> one of them. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll revisit the topic after we've had some time. Maybe to adding consider. memes to it. <laughs> yeah. We do need a Hall of Fame of memes, I think. Yeah. There definitely needs to be uh, some sort of commemoration for, for well, this because it, it's a, too there's significant. A, there's a website called know your meme mm-hmm. and they it's yeah, a handy it's, website it's a it's a meme history like how these mm-hmm. memes came to be it really is yep. <laughs> it's great but they do influence people they, inf- they do like people change we hear it mm-hmm. we see it sometimes mm-hmm. people change yeah. their their lives they change their views on things because of memes mm-hmm. i know my uh, memes have changed my life so. Okay, but they change other people's <laughs> lives too. Okay, uh, memes made me a better man. If it weren't for memes, I wouldn't be a meme lord today. <laughs> You're one of the best out there, so I'd still be, be media. One of the best in the game. I gave yeah. up vaping because of memes. <laughs> Thanks, I Pepe. Started vaping because of memes. <laughs> trying to do like basically what my my boys on sunday the pictures trying to do that with my hands here oh <laughs> the, the ai hands uh. well I, I i like your modest proposal i think it's a good place to begin thank you thank you we should we should do we'll we'll do a refresher on this at some point and get it filled out to 12 yeah because yeah. matt maddie will probably fill it the rest yeah. of the way yeah out. Hopefully she'll have some. 
Yeah, I'm sure she will. And it won't just be, we need more horse fiction in the canon. <laughs> uh, more horsies, please. My daughter reads horse fiction. <laughs> we need more. I, books I think her on name it. is Margaret Henry or something like that. There's a there's a Margaret woman who writes Henry? like yeah, who wrote I mean she's I think she's long dead, but she wrote a bunch of novels about horses for for kids. Wow. We need more books on husbandry. Yeah. <laughs> that's some that's is. some good fiction right there. Agreed. Well, gents, we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap it up there. I appreciate the modest proposal. Um, I think uh, I think this is the start of something very good. And uh, so, until next time, may Monway keep you in the one, and peace out.